scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey took him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Will you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, This past week, I uh, uh, was in Chicago for uh, pastor's meetings, and while I was there, I bumped into Stephen Weissong. Some of you might remember Stephen. He was our our youth pastor a number of years ago, and he said to say hi. He's married now and loving married life. And anyhow, I bumped to his dad, who I've known for a long time, and he and I share a, a love of puns. So I want to share a couple of puns that, that he shared with me. And so if you don't like them, you can, you can, you can text him or email him. Now, the first one is, I fired my masseuse yesterday. They just rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this one is for you psychology counselor people. A Freudian slip is when you say one thing, but mean your mother. Uh, 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 Okay. All right. Well, good morning. Today we continue the sermon series we kicked off uh, back in in January entitled 2020 Vision. And and the premise behind the sermon series is that there are certain things in our lives uh, that, that we are blind to. We have stigmatism, spiritually speaking, I guess you could say. Things that keep us from seeing clearly... Uh, how God wants us to see and to view things, his priorities, his values, how do we view other people and so on and so forth. Uh, and so we all need some sort of spiritual correction. And God uses his word, the Bible, and uses the Holy Spirit to bring correction in our lives so that we focus on the things that he wants us to as individuals and as, as, a, as a body of Christ. And we began a few weeks ago by looking at our chief end, our main goal which is to bring glory to God. And everything that we do and everything that we are, we are created to bring glory to God. 
We relate to him uh, in a relationship of love and obedience. But through everything we do, we are to bring glory to him. Next, we looked at at the greatest commandment. Jesus was approached by a, an expert in the law or a lawyer is another way of putting it. A religious leader, who a scholar who asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And remember Jesus response. He says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then he says, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, today we come to Luke 10 where we see the parable of, of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to pull out a, a, a truth for us to kind of to, to live out and to, and to be. But before we do that, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I thought I would start with a football story. Okay? Uh, it's uh, about Vince Lombardi. If you remember the Chiefs and the Packers played in that first Super Bowl? Hopefully the... I see Dan Pippen nodding his head. Yes, he was very happy about that day. Uh, he's a Packers fan. But hopefully the outcome will be much, much different this Sunday, right? But the story is, is that Vince Lombardi took nothing for granted with his players. And so every year at the beginning of football camp, he would stand in front of them with a football in his hand and say, gentlemen, this is a football. He would do it every year. And, and one player, kind of smart Alec, uh, decided one year after he said this statement, said, oh, coach, could you slow down a little bit? You're going a little, little too fast for us. Okay. It's good to return to the basics. Even if we've heard something or done something over and over, when we run into problems in life, no matter whatever it might be, our relationships, our relationship with God, our marriage, our kids, our work, whatever it is, our health, usually it's because we have forgotten some found foundational principles, some basic truth. And so this morning I want to return to the most basic truth, the most basic value that we are to talk about this morning. And you'll probably never hear a more simple sermon, so I'm going to warn you up front. But just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy to do. Okay? And I'm going to teach you only one sentence today, so it'll be easy to remember and hopefully easy to, to think about when you're trying to apply it. And if we, if we will apply this and, and do this, I think it will revolutionize our lives and our church and our community. What is this foundational principle? It's love. Now, would we agree that we want to be loving as a church and as individuals? Of course, we're going to say we want to be about that. Uh, love is so foundational that you cannot mistake its importance in the scriptures. We're told that God is love, right? We're told that God so loves us and loved the world that he sent his son and so on and so forth. And Jesus, on the night before he, when he was betrayed, right before he goes to the cross, he told the disciples and us, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. You're thinking, well, that's been there all the time. What's new about it? He says, love each other. As I have loved you, you should love each other. So he raises the expectation and, and the obligations. Love each other as I have loved you. In fact, the scripture tells us that we cannot claim to follow Christ if love does not characterize our lives. John, uh, John chapter 13 says as much. Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So there's something about how we love others and live out our lives in love that validates and confirms that we actually love God. Now, the early church in the early church, uh, the, the, the church was known for its radical love. 
the Romans around them saw this group of people who, for different socioeconomic statuses, different races, different all this stuff, different Jews, Greeks, different all sorts of backgrounds, and they come together and they live in love. And they lived in such a way that, in fact, there were some misunderstandings about what this love was about. And um, that always happens with radical love. People misunderstand, misconstrue, misperceive. And then one of the misconceptions of the early church was that that incest was involved. Why would they think that? Well, they called each other brother and sister and they talked about their love for each other. They did everything. They lived together. They did things together. And so people misunderstood the radical love that they expressed with each other. And so this morning, I want to look at briefly what love actually looks like in a body of believers. And it's not just a, a warm feeling that we get when we sing worship songs. Love is far more than that. So I want to start to give you a sentence that we're going to build on throughout the message. The first part is love is meeting the need. Love is meeting a need. Now, we often think that the opposite of love is hatred. And perhaps that's true, but, but biblically speaking, the, the opposite of love is inaction. The opposite of, of love is when you fail to meet someone's need when you could and you don't. Where do I get that idea from? First John 3. If anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? So love is when you see that somebody has a need and you do something to meet that need. And so the opposite of, of love isn't necessarily just hatred, it's inaction. Now just before the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus and uh, an expert in the law have a short dialogue. Remember last week, if you were with us, Jesus uh, was, has, has a dialogue with another expert in law, and the guy asked him a very good question, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with everything you are and everything you have, and then love your neighbors yourself. Same thing here. This guy asks a different question. And the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. We all want to know, is there anything I can do? Is there any possibility that after this life ends, I can keep on living? If there's a possibility, I want to know, what do I need to do for that to happen? And Jesus answers both questions, very important questions. He answers them the same way. Love God with everything you are and have. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it must be pretty important if he uses the same answer for two very important foundational questions. Now, the scripture says that this expert in the law, this lawyer, hears this and he seeks to justify himself. What that means is he hears the answer and his mind jumps to the implications. And so... He, he begins to think, um, okay, I, I need to come up with some way to justify my life and my actions and my choices. And so he says, who's my neighbor? Uh, he's trying to get a definition here. We, we can empathize with that. I mean, how many times do we come face to face with a clear requirement of Scripture, a clear teaching of God, but instead of obeying it, we debate it. And if we talk long enough and think long enough about it, maybe we can bend the scripture to fit our lives rather than fit our lives to the scripture. So it's in that spirit this lawyer asks the question, who is my neighbor? 
When Jesus answers the question, he doesn't give a, a long theological discourse. He, he doesn't even say, well, there are several Greek words for love. Let me tell you about that. He tells a story that teaches us about our obligation to love other people. And it's a story that, and this is incredible, Jesus says it's over and over, over. it's amazing. It's, it's like a booby trap here on the pages of the New Testament. Yeah. He teaches this, he tells this story and, and all of a sudden, boom, it explodes and it, it penetrates and it convicts us and we have to decide what we're going to do with it, right? And so that's what Jesus does here. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan, a man who's going from Jerusalem to Jericho on the road and he gets jumped by some muggers and they, they strip him naked, they rob him, they beat him up and they leave him for dead by the side of the road. And then a priest comes by and then a Levite comes by. They see the man, they see his need and they pass on by. They don't do anything. And then in Jesus' story, a Samaritan comes along. Of course, we know Samaritans, they were, they were kind of outcasts. They were seen as, 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 uh, as, as people who were kind of half-breeds. They intermingled and intermarried, and, and they, were not, they, they were just seen as outcasts. And, and they were a different race and ethnicity. And, and so Jewish people didn't really have anything to do with them. And so this good Samaritan, he stops and he lends a hand. Surprise. Not the guy you'd expect to stop in this story told by a Jewish rabbi to, to a Jewish crowd. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, he springs the trap. He says, of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, who is a neighbor? And this expert in the law, this lawyer, he can't deny the answer. He knows what the answer is. And he says, well, the one who showed mercy on him. Doesn't he can't bring himself to say Samaritan. And Jesus says, okay, go and do likewise. Now, we have no idea why this priest and Levite, they don't stop. No doubt they had their reasons. They're busy, important people. They had other obligations. Obligations to people that they knew, not to the stranger, necessarily. They could have stopped, but they didn't. They show the very opposite of love. They see a need and they do nothing about it. They ignore it. John wrote this. In 1 John 3, about this. Dear children, let us stop saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. So let's add to our sentence. Love is meeting the need of any person. Now, I'm all for meeting needs. If you're like me, though, you're wondering where this could all lead. What needs? Whose needs? There's a lot of needs out there. How many people? It can be overwhelming. There's no way that I could meet all the needs that are around me. So, so I'd really like to know what are the, the boundaries? What are the limitations? Uh, are there any loopholes here? Okay. What's, what's required of me here? It's not a new question. That's why the expert says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't try to answer the question. He flips the question on his head and asks his own question. And he says, of these three characters, the Levite, the priest, the Samaritan, which one, which one was a neighbor to the man who was attacked? Jesus, in effect, is saying, you're asking the wrong question. He says, you be the neighbor. You be the one. 
Rather than worrying if somebody else is a neighbor, rather than worrying about, well, should I help them or not? Or is, is that required of me or so on and so forth? He says, you be the neighbor. Don't assess the other person. You be the kind of person who makes neighbors out of those who are not currently your neighbors. In this past month, this past week, the world has rolled over and flattened many people, right? We, we look on the news, natural disasters, uh, um, shootings, crime, uh, all sorts of problems in our world, uh, economies uh, struggling, so on and so forth. And we don't have to look too far. The same is true here. I mean, there are people in our community, no doubt in our church, who, who feel flattened. They've had a tough week, a tough month, a tough decade, maybe a tough life. And they're dying for somebody to, to ask them, how are you doing? And then to do something about their needs. Love is meeting the need of any person next at any time. This is where it gets a little more scary. Jesus is saying, don't just meet needs when it's convenient, but meet needs all the time. Love people all the time. You see the Samaritan, back to this guy, he, we don't know where he was going just because of the priest and the Levite. We think, well, those are important guys. They had things to do, meetings to go, people to be with. Samaritan could have been a very important man, too. He, probably, he knew how his obligations, so he could have come up with a reason not to stop. But he doesn't. He takes very specific steps to help this person. He even comes back to, to settle the bill in case there are any extra charges. And he gives the most important gift, he gives his time. Now, I'm not saying that we should not have boundaries, okay? This is not meant to feel you guilty about everything. That's not the idea. We should have boundaries. Jesus took time away from the crowds to recharge, to spend time with his father. But this should not be a permanent condition. And most of us, let's be honest, are so far on the side of keeping good boundaries that we need to be stretched a little bit. Allow yourself to be interrupted and love others when it's not convenient. Now, I bet you have people in your life that you've said something like this to them. Call me day or night. I don't care when. Call me day or night and I'll be there for you. Why do we say that? We mean it because we love them. We value that person. They're not an interruption to us. Jesus is saying expand the list. Become a neighbor to more people so that they don't mind, so that you don't mind being interrupted sometimes. Love when it's not convenient. Gordon MacDonald, who uh, was a pastor in Boston, tells a time about a time when he went to Minneapolis for a convention. He flew into Minneapolis, took a taxi to the convention center where he's going to be speaking. And uh, it was about 15 minutes before he was supposed to be at the convention center. And the, the taxi pulls up to a, a stoplight. There are about four cars back from the crosswalk. And he sees a, a homeless man, obviously drunk or high or something, lurching between the cars in the middle of the street. And when he crossed in front of, of, of his taxi the man fell and landed on his chin. And you could hear the thud and his, his chin split open. There was blood everywhere. McDonald got out of the taxi and looked at the man six feet away. And he said, I have several thoughts run through my head. I've got a brand new suit on. My wife just gave me. I can't afford to get it messed up. 
I have to be at the convention center in 15 minutes to speak before hundreds of people. I'm in a strange city. I don't know how to help this guy. I have no medical training. And he said, I wonder if underneath there was not a fifth thought, not articulated, not fully expressed. I wonder if the thought was, if you're dumb enough to get yourself that drunk in the middle of the day, why should busy people stop and help you? While he was debating about what to do, some other people came up and helped this man, and he got back in the taxi, and he got to the convention center where he was speaking on the topic of sensitivity and caring for the needs of other human beings. Love is not meeting someone's needs when it's convenient. It's meeting the need of any person at any time, even when it costs you your time, screws up your schedule. Let's complete the sentence. Love is meeting the need of any person at any time at any cost. Need of any person at any time at any cost. I'm going to make a promise to you. If I win $20 million in the next month, I will give each one of you $10,000. It's not that generous. I did the math. I'd still have a several million left over. <laughs> but I'm not afraid to make that promise. Why? I'm never going to win $20 million. I don't play the lottery. Where would that money come from? Okay? It's easy to make extravagant promises when we probably won't have to keep them. But the standard for love has been set by Jesus Christ. Here's the standard. We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us, 1 John 3. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. That's the standard. I mean, I can pretty easily say, I would give my life for you. Because chances are, I'll never have to do that. It's easy to make such sweeping promises when nobody will be able to collect on them. Now, John knew this, so he described what this might look like in ordinary lives. The biblical limit is, give up your life for your neighbor. What this looks like in ordinary life he says in 1 John 3, we read this earlier, but if anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? That's what love looks like. Sometimes it's extravagant and a, and a huge sacrifice is involved. But more often, it's a lot more humble. Noticing somebody who has a need and meeting it and filling it as best you can, as God enables you. So there it is in one simple sentence. Love is meeting the need of any person at any time, at any cost. That is what we're called to do. Now you might be thinking, okay, practically speaking, what's that look like? Your neighbors across the street, your coworker, your classmate... Somebody on the other side of the world, if you give through some sort of relief organization like Covenant World Relief or whatever, or something local, it could be the Super Bowl of Hope. It could be um, homestead ministries that, that, that's gonna, that we're helping start that will minister to women coming out of sex trafficking. Um, it, could be, it could be serving in our youth or children's ministry or, or the nursery. They need volunteers. It gives a young adult, a young couple, the chance to sit and worship. I know their children are taken care of. But love is meeting the need of any person at any time, at any cost, because that's what cost what Christ did for us. All our needs 
Paul tells us, are met and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So, so we close with a, another question, and it's a convicting question that comes straight from the pages of Scripture. John basically asks, how can we say we really love God, whom we've not seen, when we're blind to our neighbor, whose needs we can see? And again, my neighbor is anyone I see and whose need God has put me in a position to meet. It's as simple as that, and it's as difficult as that. We are to follow Jesus' example, to heed this story, and to go and to do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word and for your spirit that brings your word to bear in our lives. And Father, we, uh, we ask that you would open our eyes and correct our visions so that we would see the needs around us as you see them, to see people around us as you see them, and the power of your Spirit, Lord, um, motivated by your love for us, that we would reach out and seek to meet the needs of the people around us that we can, that we can help. Lord, we confess to you that so often it's easy to become self-absorbed and self-preserving, um, self-focused, uh, Lord. And we, we ask, Lord, that you would give us uh, help, Lord, to, to break free from those tendencies and to, and to love others as you have first and perfectly and wonderfully and graciously and mercifully uh, loved us. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would open our eyes to see as you would have us see. In Jesus' name, amen.